Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Next Level Show, the health and fitness podcast, your one-stop shop for everything life, sexiness, and I lost my chain of thought there. Everything in between. Everything in between. You heard it here first. <laughs> What's up, boys? What was happening, guys? I'm chilling. It's really hot here. If anyone it's, yes. it is walking out, just prepare to sweat in every area that you didn't even know even was possible as well. It's wonderful. I sweat all day, all the juices. All the times. Like every three showers day. a day or something like that. Every time. Twice minimum, sometimes three, depending. Yeah. I got planned for that day. Every time I go outside, I seriously consider moving to Alaska. But then you're like, no, but then it's like, no. I don't know about Florida, man. Like why people like, I mean, I love the state as a whole, but I hate summers here. I like every other really non-changing season. That's not summer. Because Mm -hmm. it's always hot, but it's a much more bearable heat. Here's my here's my argument. Okay, so it's super hot out right now. There's a there's a bare minimum of clothing that we can wear out into public, and even if you were walking around naked, it would still be pretty damn hot. If it's cold, you can always just wear more clothing, right? Until you're warm. Uh, until you're in that situation and then you you just don't like it because then you can't even move you you won't be able to move your arms you'll be like a you know those little kids and like you know the snowsuits they can't move they have to like oh, yeah. shuffle their feet walk yeah. like a penguin mm-hmm. that's kind of like how it would be I but picture, i agree um, i i think that that's like totally like i'm on board with you dude like if you're cold you just wear more clothes if you're hot yeah. What can you do? It's unacceptable in most cases to walk around in my boxers like I do at home. You know what? We should we should start protesting the sun. <laughs> I want to end. What? I want to end the oppression. Just get burnt in the protest. oh <laughs> indoor protests. Uh, well, when you go out, tank tops and shorts is like a like the like the most you can wear when you go outside. But, so. Now I gotta ask you, Gabe. Since you're from New York, do you ever wear sandals out? No, I can't. It's just it's just weird. I I yeah. can't do it. Um, negative. I gotta have shoes on. Yes, I agree. I don't care how fucking hot it is. You will not catch me out with some sandals. And I know a lot of people listening probably do this. Girls is acceptable, but yeah. for a dude to be wearing thong sandals out and about. Oh, no. put no. some sneakers on. No, no, no. Nah, I'll, that's I'll a hard a, pass. I'll wear slides. I don't know if that's slides true. with socks, and that's because I literally stepped out for two seconds, and I'm like, I, but you will never catch me barefoot with some freaking chanclas unless you go into the pool. I'm going to the pool or I'm going to the beach, but most cases I still wear sneakers to the beach. Uh, yeah, yes. Right there with you. If I'm going to the pool, like in my community, I throw on my slides and stuff, but, um, you know, for, for, for a long ass time, I could not 
drive either barefoot or with slides on. I needed like something like a sole or something hard underneath my foot. I guess because my foot was just weak. It was totally, you know, uh, had no connection to it whatsoever. Yeah. So it was, it was bad. So I needed something, but now I'm all good. I, 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 I worked it out and uh, I'm fine there. You do plenty of foot ups. I do. I do lots of foot ups, um, foot downs. Foot downs. Um, oh yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Can't, can't forget about the foot downs. Yeah. Uh, all, all the good stuff. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Like, I just don't feel like it just, it just looks like you did not try. And there's like levels. I feel like it's almost like a hygiene thing for me, dude. Like how dirty is like outside, like your feet and you're bringing that back to your house. Like, I don't know, man. It's- how about this? When you see people barefoot outside, Oh. I just oh, well, hold on. Let me take it to another level. When you see people barefoot outside at the gas station going into the bathroom, oh, I'm like, oh, that's just so disgusting. I mean, people do it, and and here's the here's the funny thing about it. I'm I'm sure we would all agree. You know, being barefoot is better for your feet. Get that connection. Don't be like me, how I was. I'm sure, and and I and I wholeheartedly believe that. But you will not catch me going outside barefoot for a couple of reasons. One, like you mentioned, that I'm from New York, so I'm always thinking that I'm going to step on like a shard of glass or just something right so that's number one reason it is it's a it's totally a northern thing sorry i just uh, and and i recognize it but it's it's that gonna go away never my dad back in the day when i was like a kid growing up he used to always try to like make me dress like him which in most cases i was all about it i was a little kid i didn't care but there was one style that wouldn't think and he would he embraced those like those little jesus sandals and uh, like that was like the leather ones and then your toes it's like a slider slides yeah. but like it's like leather so it's like dressed up and you wear like the little hawaiian long sleeves yeah and, and i'm just like i couldn't get on board man i've always always super self-conscious about my feet even though there's nothing inherently wrong with them it's mm-hmm. just that i just didn't like walking around without shoes like it just felt very very odd so that was one thing i just could not my dad's about it man my dad is that guy that walks with freaking thong sandals at times. And I'm like, dad, mm-hmm. he can pull it off because he gets like pedicured on his feet and shit. Like he's really like about like taking care of himself. But like, I'm like, dad, you have some nice sneakers, man. It makes it look so much better. I'm like, dude, like stop. Like, yeah, but, can't do but, it. And, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this, I think I have a foot thing. Like I'm not weird where I take feet <laughs> and like all that shit. No. But I like, I'm a person that I like nice toes, like, you know, hygiene, clean feet, you know, like it's, I don't know. That's just the me thing at home, do whatever you want. I usually walk without shoes at my house. I usually have uh, socks on or whatever, but lately I haven't just cause I got a dog. She sheds. So I don't want to be like doing all that. So, but yeah, don't go out with thong sandals, fellas, like ladies, it's acceptable to an extent. I even have like my bone to pick with that, but I'm not even going to get into that. I'm going to go on a whole tangent about, yeah. I think Mike yeah, this... has heard me talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I feel like context matters in this. Sometimes yes, I wear, uh, yes. I'll, I'll wear slides with no socks. If it's a last second, we need pepper or this meal is ruined trip to target. Uh, if I just need to go to the bank to deposit some money and I'm not even getting out of the car, I may just go barefoot, but yeah, I uh, I also, I do need to admit this. You mentioned this and I, several years ago, was the person walking into like 7-Eleven without shoes on. Oh. Um, I've even walked around Walmart without shoes my on. God. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Hey, so um, we're looking out for a new uh, co-host for the next level <laughs> show. If you or anyone you know are interested. <laughs> 
No, I mean that was that was the yeah, life. Though. I was I was working on boats. Preferably bald with a beard. <laughs> preferably, preferably. Huh? Oh, okay. Wait, what you said you were doing boat stuff? What? Yeah, we were. I was I was detailing boats with my friend, and uh, okay. oftentimes we we would just take our shoes off because you know we're out in a yard or something like that, and we would be like, oh, let's go get lunch. And mm -hmm. we were so comfortable just not wearing our shoes ever that we would just naturally forget it and then be like, oh, we need to go into the store. Like we don't have shoes. I guess we're going shoeless. So, okay. Uh, yeah. And you know, certain cases, I, it, I, for that stuff, I'm, I'm for you, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. condone that behavior. I don't. I don't think it's a great idea to walk through a Seven Eleven, especially go to the bathroom. I don't think oh. I ever went into a bathroom without shoes on. That's a disgusting place to be in general, even with shoes on. Yeah. But yeah. Um, All right. Well, good to know. That was our sweet <laughs> rant for the first part of this episode, and for the, those that I have not offended yet or feel self-conscious that you've tuned out. Uh, wait, wait a bit, and then you will get offended at some point or another. <laughs> By one of us, most it. likely me. They they catch me like in the middle of nowhere, just no freaking shoes on. <laughs> no. Somebody <laughs> exactly, they'll mug you. Take it to the middle of nowhere. Only just take your shoes, and that's it. Um, but no, I think today, like what we wanted to cover for you guys is. We've covered other body parts. We've covered legs. We've covered uh, chest. We've covered back. Let's cover, you know, another popular muscle group because I know a lot of people will be training based when this episode will drop. They'll be training usually this muscle group. So I think it'd be perfect. Even it might be late for some people. You guys can save it for your next week or whatever. Next time you train, arms, arms, the most popular arms, arms. If you're from Boston, um, Boston, Boston, Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Boston. That was that was the wrong region. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. Like, we'll get there. I'm still getting it. Um, no, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, real, real quick. Uh, on the topic of Boston, so I did see what you're talking about, the Patriots Day from Mark Wahlberg. That is the old movie that I was talking about. It's not a new one. I think it's just like maybe exclusive to them, or maybe it's the first time coming out on streaming services. Okay. But it is the one that I was talking about. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, arms. I love the arms just because arms is something that I personally love to train. Uh, granted, my arm genetics aren't the best building, muscle building genetics for arms. I don't have uh, specific muscle belly or attachments or insertions that like are favorable for having, you know, the arms that I really like strive for. And our co-host Mike, and even I would even argue Gabe, both have really well developed or easy developed arms. Um, I have to work my ass off for every the little inch that I've ever gained. Um, but I love this topic. We're going to about to give you guys the best go-tos to develop, you know, impressive looking arms, even if they aren't the biggest. The key here is that's going to, we're going to be able to develop a muscle where if you can, even if they're not the biggest, if you can develop it well, it's going to look nice and impressive. You know, size in this case doesn't always matter. Ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there is hope. Um, I'm going to start by just saying, cause I don't think anyone's going to take this one from me. My go-to bicep exercise, just because I have a, if you look at your arm right now and you you kind of like stretch it out, you can kind of see where the muscle belly kind of stops. If you're someone that the muscle belly seems to go all the way into your elbow, it's really full and thick, 
Or if you have one that kind of stops a little bit before, you have maybe a couple finger gaps between the elbow. You have a two finger gap, Mike. Um, I have about, shit, I have probably almost about three. So if you have a short muscle belly, this will be a great exercise that I like to incorporate for biceps that really gets you to feel because I think the most important part is actually being able to feel certain arm exercises. For me personally, machines aren't the best route for me to go. I love to do an incline dumbbell curl. I think that is one of my favorite ways to really get my biceps to feel. And then anything else after that, my, bi my biceps are a lot more responsive. This is for people that don't know an incline bicep curls where you're taking your elbows, you're kind of propping yourself like you would do an incline chest press, same principle, slight arch in the back. I like my shoulders peeled back where my elbows are technically behind my body and where your bicep is getting the full stretch position with resistance, you come up. And if for some reason, it just allows me to get the best pump and connection to my biceps. Um, I want to also note takes. I know the boys are going to give each their go-to bicep exercise. You'll notice that it's not so much about getting fancy with all these crazy angles necessarily with your hands always, even though biceps has their 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 uh their place it's going to be more reliant on developing your arms when you focus on positionings of the elbow you know i'm i'm mentioning an exercise that the elbow is behind you um and there's other exercises that i'll let you guys co cover um but pay attention to elbow positioning when you're training arms uh to get the most out of it don't worry about like inner bicep outer bicep none of that nonsense focus on these adding resistance in the right areas i'll let you guys take it uh popeye do you want to go ahead and go first uh no you should you should go okay sure so <laughs> oh please you go um for you know i kind of really don't train arms all that much to be honest with you um Same. i do a lot of uh uh either pull-ups or maybe barbell rows. Uh, it's funny. It's funny that you that you say that the same thing, Mike. Because um, you know, people uh, have asked me like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? I'm like, well, I kind of don't do much. I mean, I it, what I go to for specific isolation bicep um, exercise would be a uh, barbell curl. Surprise, surprise. Um, I prefer the easy curl um, bar where it's bent as opposed to the straight bar. I feel whenever I go to the straight bar, um, my wrist starts feeling a little odd i feel like i'm it just doesn't feel comfortable for me so i prefer uh the easy car easy curl bar uh crooked bar or whatever kind of name you want to give 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 to that bar um bridge bar is the name yeah yeah exactly there you go that's the official one thanks for saving me um i just prefer to go there um i like to do even like you know just 21s on this where you do um seven reps of from the bottom position all the way to like halfway till your arm till your forearms are uh, perpendicular to the floor uh, parallel to the floor excuse me and then you do seven reps there then you do seven more reps from uh, John Ovia flexing on me um, seven reps from that point all the way till the top and then you do seven of full um, range of motion so I kind of like that a lot towards the end I usually do um, this uh, at the end of my training, I don't start it off. I probably wouldn't advise for anyone to start off with any kind of curl uh, movements because you know you've seen people just go into the gym and the first thing they go get the dumbbells and start curling it out. 
Um, I probably suggest you you know focusing this uh, towards the end or after your compound movements, such as like a pull up, a barbell row. Uh, those are my favorites for arm training. Um, but if you want to have a specific isolation arm movement, then um, I would suggest putting at the end. I personally like a barbell curl in specific 21s. What about you, Mike? Um, I really enjoy the Zotman curl, and I've been having a bunch of people do it lately. Um, a Zotman curl is probably one of the least known bicep curl exercises. Um, it's a fancy name, super simple in concept though. So essentially all you're doing is taking a dumbbells, you're doing a supinated curl, which means uh, palms facing out. You curl the weight up, you rotate your wrists down to the ground to where your palms are facing down, and then you do a reverse curl on the way down. And then you rotate the wrists again, palms facing up as you curl up. So essentially what you're doing is you are rotating your hands at each position that you can and the benefit of doing that is your bicep actually has two jobs it well it has a few jobs but it brings your forearm up and down like on a bicep curl it also rotates the thumb over the palm so essentially what you're doing is you're combining those two functions together and turning it into a single exercise so this is something that you can actually get a lot out of with a very little amount of weight. Um, I usually go for like tens, maybe fifteens. My forearms are on fire by the end of it. Um, it's also worth mentioning on honorable mention. I love hammer curls. Um, a hammer curl is just a neutral grip bicep curl. Uh, those have been probably one of my favorites along with the barbell curl. And of course the, uh, the ones that Jonathan mentioned that was actually like, I th we actually have a, a, a photo of of us doing those those incline curls above the office door at my gym but um but yeah same thing i mean that's a legend in the making <laughs> <laughs> dude that was back when i was still wearing like nike shoes oh man old didn't even converted over to the converse yet and i've never i've never switched back but no i mean anytime you're doing a bicep movement i mean it's it's awesome, you know, curls for the girls, all that, but I like to also consider all of the the functions of like the arms and get the forearms moving as well because it'll improve your grip strength and of course I'm going to tie this along to, you know, how can I improve my deadlift. So um, <laughs> that's that's why I, I like those two because it 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 helps with grip and um bonus points if you have some fat grips to put on those dumbbells as well. I would actually say that um I, I'm at, this actually put on a good point and I think we should have started with this, but it just came to mind, like as far as like isolation work, just because for someone like me, I can get really strong at barbell lifts, uh, you know, barbell rows, uh, heavyweighted pull-ups, um, and my back responds amazing. So does my arms to a degree, but I definitely am that person that I have learned that even though I, those are staple in my routines, I do focus a lot. If I'm really just trying to get some improvement in my arms, I have to spend that extra time, you know, getting that connection. Like we've talked about in other episodes, just feeling the muscles because I'm very fortunate that my chest, my back, my legs, the big movements respond very well. I fortunately love to train arms enough that I don't mind having to do all the extra accessory work to get them connected. Um, but when I talked mentioned earlier too about angles, you know, as long as you have in your, in your bicep isolation routine is a 
you know, elbow in front of you position, like a preacher curl, a concentration spider curl, spider curl. Um, those are all elbows in front of, in front of the body. So you're getting kind of a different stress uh, where people say that you're working the peak of the bicep. You're not necessarily isolating, but you're just able to add and load that position a bit more. And Gabe mentioned a neutral uh, standing uh, barbell curl. You can do it straight bar, easy curl bar, dumbbells. Uh, this kind of combines with Mike's uh, Zotman curl just because it's semi in a neutral position as well. Um, and those are elbows to your side. Now, the last one I mentioned was the incline curl. Any type of movement that the elbow is typically behind you, you can do this with dumbbells, you can do these with cables. Um, technically all these movements can be mimicked with cables as well, but these are just some stuff to kind of keep in mind in your arsenal of arm training. Uh, those are gonna be important. But I love what you guys talked about. As far as my staple part of the routine, I do am a firm believer. If you can get really strong at supinated pull-ups, you can look at a gymnast that has massive biceps. They probably don't spend a lot of time doing a lot of these isolation movements all the time. They're probably really just getting good at, you know, moving around on the bars, the rings. And that's something to be said where you can load the bicep really heavy. Like we've talked about with legs and leg development and everything. You want to squat, you want to have an exercise that can really overload the muscle. And if you want to add some detail work, you can do some machine stuff, but something to be said about really getting strong at pull-ups and barbell rows, that's going to really translate to bicep development. Yeah. When um, you mentioned angles and the different types of uh, ways that you want to work on your, um, on the bicep, it's funny because it's basically the same thing can be applied to triceps, right? When you're, when you're training triceps, same thing, you would want something at the side, uh, elbows on the side of you, elbows in front of you and elbows behind you. Um, another point for here is just um, the setup of this. You know, you mentioned, um, John, when you do the bike, when you set up on the incline um, bench press that you like to have your, your shoulders peeled back, you'd want to do that regardless of what movement that you're doing, right? From the initial setup, like I can, I can kind of even see, or, or the reason why maybe I, I don't do much or have to put much emphasis on this is that connection that I have with my bicep, perhaps because I was always, it was always chest day and it was always arm day um, back in the beginning. So I would, um, I would stand there. I have my dumbbells on the side of me. I'm going to do just some regular curls. And initially, the first thing I do, I peel my shoulders back. And then I can, you can even just see like the vein just start popping out of my bicep even before I even start doing any uh, a curl whatsoever. So you just want to make sure you're in, in a good position. You're having a little to no movement on your elbow, right? You wouldn't want to have your elbow start from on the side of your body and then all of a sudden end up um, in front of you. Right, we would want to have as little movement from your elbow as possible when you train this to really kind of work on that muscle. Otherwise, you're either using momentum, you're doing some kind of else, something else that really wouldn't wouldn't benefit you as much. And um, another thing would be just to you know don't worry about the weight. You know, some people go and they get the 50s and they just really just start swinging them up there. And then I'm over here getting either the 20s, 25s, or 30s, and maybe I get only like you know eight or 12 or something, but you see my, my, my bicep, you know, pumping and peaking and doing its thing. So, uh, that's just, 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 uh, <laughs> there you go. Just a quick tip for, uh, for, for when you set up your bicep training. I think it's worth mentioning that the bicep doesn't really have that big of a range of motion that most people are used to. I mean, I see people standing in front of the mirror, staring at themselves all day. The bicep comes 
only so far, but when they're doing a bicep curl, the, the elbows are coming forward, the weight's coming almost up to their chin. Um, a really good way to see how much your bicep is actually doing in that motion is to put your back up against a wall with some light dumbbells, drive those elbows back until they're touching the wall, and then do a bicep curl without allowing your elbows to come forward at all. The, the, the dumbbell or the bar, depending on what you're using, isn't gonna come very high up, but you're only going to be feeling that in your bicep, which is kind of the point. I mean, you, I suppose you could turn that into a, like an actual exercise, but just for demonstration. Yeah. Um, I like to use that for people if they just will not listen to me about their elbows coming forward or going back, because that's another popular one is pulling the elbows back to make it a little bit easier. But um, that's all, that's like timeout almost for my clients. Like if I tell you to go to the wall, it's like <laughs> you messed up, but. Um, like, You're only doing because you love them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now that's a great one. And you can even turn that into an exercise, right? Where you're, you, cause yeah. you're limiting any type of lean, any type of momentum, any type of extra movement that you're doing. That's all bicep right there. So that's, that's a, that's actually a, a pretty tough uh, exercise. So yeah. I will say this cause I know if we do have a, I know a physical therapist that do listen to the show and they will say, you know, they will argue or people that are just learning really about like the body and everything, they'll say that, you know, only limiting your butt, your, your, you know, keeping your shoulders super fixed and then keeping your elbows basically fixed to your sides or whatever is, you know, just a part of, you know, the bicep, but the bicep full flexion is when the elbows slightly come forward, the shoulder does get some flexion and you do get like an extra squeeze of the bicep. This is true. This is not technically incorrect. Yeah. Why we advise in these cases keeping super fixed and strict is because a lot of the everyday person d doesn't lift with that intention. They're not controlling that. It's almost like the weight is taking over and their bodies is doing whatever it can do to get the movement. Now, it's not super detrimental, like where you're running super high risk in most cases, but because we're trying to teach a, a certain pattern of keeping your shoulder blades and posture high, we might just kind of limit your range of motion. In most cases, you're still getting tons of, of work on the bicep. I think that it's super important that Gabe said, you don't have to necessarily focus on going so heavy on the bicep curls. The bicep is the smallest part of your whole arm anyways. We're about to dive into what's gonna probably be more important. But really focusing on adding some frequency and isolation if you're someone that cares, I need to be that person. If I care about any type of good-looking arm development, I need to be frequent and, and can, you know, be consistent with my volume of training on my arms with some stuff that's not going to be super taxing, but I also put a lot of effort on getting pretty strong at certain movements that are going to contribute as a byproduct on these muscles. Um, what we were saying also is, the biceps limited and the muscle that you should probably focus on. If you're looking for overall size for my guys, even if for my ladies, you know, if you're just looking for nice tight arms, focus a lot also on your triceps. You know, the triceps do take up a bigger portion of your arm. Anyways, I think like the rule is what two thirds of your arm is your triceps. Uh, I think they just three to two. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's three fifths. What was it? It's two three fifths. fifths. Yeah. Okay. Do you have two uh, biceps, three triceps? It's, it was a, I'm sorry. It's, it's a, it was a pun. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I thought my jokes were bad. <laughs> I was like, wait, did I say something wrong? No, <laughs> uh, so, no. Um, the, the triceps is where I learned this later down lifting because everybody knows what a bicep curl is. Everyone that has ever, when you say someone, show me your muscles. 
you flex your biceps. That's what you usually will do. But if you notice that people that have impressive arms, usually you got to look is at their triceps. That's where a lot of the size and the, and what's impressive about it is going to come from. So I would definitely focus on, you know, spending a little bit more time if you're someone like myself, focusing on your triceps. And then as a byproduct, your arm's going to look a lot better, a lot fuller, a lot more developed. Um, I guess I'm going to start off kind of how we should have started bicep is saying a great way for most people is focusing on the key bigger movements such as you know my one that i've kind of incorporated more just because i feel more comfortable as of late is doing an incline close grip barbell bench press um versus the flat dumbbell uh, i'm sorry the flat barbell bench press which is also phenomenal but i personally feel more comfortable doing an incline close grip elbows tucked in really focusing on the triceps uh limiting a little bit of that chest movement that has been when i was lifting heavy and getting really strong at those that's where i naturally felt my triceps just be fuller stronger um without having to spend a, a, a lot of time on tricep extensions and kickbacks um even though they have their place and we'll get into that that was my key movement uh speaking for triceps um I like and, and I like that. I like the uh, close grip bench pressing. I haven't really tried the um, do it on an incline, um, but I should. And I think I, I'm going to steal that from you. So I, I'll I'll, it, I'll take I, it and I'll let it, you know how it goes. It's actually a maps aesthetic. Okay. Try okay, it. Well, I <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Um, my my favorite uh, tricep movement. I think we've covered this before in the 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 chest is actually um, a, a dip. I love dips. Um, I just uh, prefer them. I feel like I get the most uh, out of my tricep um, training for them when I'm doing dips. Uh, keeping here is just like before when you're talking about doing biceps of peeling back your shoulders. Um, you wouldn't want to have your shoulders kind of like, you know, rolling forward or even shrugging up to, towards your ears. You would want to keep them uh, down and packed and just go as slow and as low as you can. You know, you see uh, people here either going, you know, super fast or trying to knock out like you know like there's a time uh on these or that they don't really go low enough so you'd want to go as low as you can with control and go all the way back up uh, i love that and since i believe i gave this one already so i'll give one a, a brand new one i love uh skull crushers i love skull crushers um i do them slightly different as opposed to having the bar come to my forehead i like to have the bar come either um behind my head or just below the bench um, that I'm on. And I prefer this because then when my arm is fully extended, there's still uh, tension on the muscle um, as opposed to the traditional form where you have the barbell coming to the forehead on your extended uh, portion, you're basically have the weight stacked on your joints and you can kind of be there all day. So I prefer that slight variation to, uh, to a tricep movement, uh, the skull crusher. Um, you can do that with either dumbbells, barbell. I prefer with the Cambridge uh, uh, bar that I mentioned earlier. Um, that would be my uh, isolation go-to for tricep. You can say easy curl, man. Most people easy curl. Easy curl. Yeah. When I started seeing Cambridge, I'm like, what the fuck? You can it? call it whatever you want. Yeah, the thingy, the bent thingy. I'm going to start calling it Norman. The wiggly bar. Yeah. Norman. The Norman bar. I'm just going to tell that to everybody until it becomes like a thing, a thing. Yeah. I don't want to like misinform my clients, but you know, what, what's, what's in a name? Um, exactly. I'm, I'm going to shout out the, the, the good old fashioned cable tricep extension. Um, I, I can't not recommend this one. I love this exercise. Um, 
And I love the variation that I learned from my co-host, Jonathan, of traditionally you have people kind of keep their elbows in towards their ribs. Uh, Jonathan actually has you flare your elbows out a little bit um, away from the ribs. And of course, just like with the biceps, we're trying to focus on keeping the elbows stationary and just moving the hands. Um, but I love this one. You just get full range of motion. You come up as high as you can. You squeeze your bicep, and then you just drive your hands down and apart. And that was flex. a crazy one when we started getting that one in. And since you have a really, you really spawn really fast to arm training. It's insane. Yeah. Everybody that doesn't know Mike personally, like when he trains arms just a few times a month, his arms look insane. I'm very jealous. Just think of Popeye after he hits his spinach. Yeah. No, that's that's a legitimate thing. My friends used to like jokingly call me Popeye in high school because I sucked at benching and pretty much everything else, but I was constantly in just doing arm day, just like you, Gabe. And my arms just developed so fucking quick. And it was, I was so always I was always pretty good at leg stuff and I I guess I pull ups. But my arm genetics, like it's my whole family line. None of us have like big arms in the family. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely want to say something here with the reason I'm even mentioning compound lifts because we're talking also to the to the everyday person that maybe you haven't ever actually spent any time trying to develop your arms, but you're like thinking that all this stuff that I want to try. Definitely for most people, compound lifts and getting strong at those you will do phenomenal and get tremendous results now for the people that are anything like me you know that we just don't have the luxury of just relying on those shit i wish i don't mind i i i don't have to spend that much time doing it it's almost like caps for me people ask me how much you know i'm just like calf raises but technically i really don't even do calf raises i know calf raises have their place and getting strong at those but my calves just from walking will develop. So it's like, it's a genetic variance. Like Gabe says in Mike, they don't train arms. So in this case, I have spent a lot of time focusing on, you know, really, like we said about biceps, feeling the muscle, training it in every angle. Same principle is going to apply here. You maybe want to do a cable uh, tricep extension. In this case, what Mike was alluding to is either do two individual cables where you do a cable crossover. I may actually post the one that I did with a cable, two individual cable handles. Uh, forgot about that, that one. We, I even recorded you doing it back in the day. And yeah. we, where you just allows you for a more natural uh, path of your, of your tricep. If you put your hands to your sides and you just let them be completely straight, you'll notice that your hands are actually not touching your sides. Your elbow almost flares out naturally slightly outwards. It's almost like your arm is straight and then your, your ending position is like slightly away from the body. So what you want to actually do is reload that position and actually follow that range of motion. I learned this from our, from a person that we all admire, Ben Pakulski. He is a hypertrophy guru and everything that has to do with muscle building. I, you know, I apply these certain principles and I showed some of my clients that were getting to that level and they got tremendous results. If even it has even tremendously changed my overall development size wise, absolutely. But just the way the muscle looks, because I was able to connect uh, to the muscle was super key. So an elbow neutral position elbows are to your sides good old-fashioned cable with either a long rope or two individual heads of the cables you're going to be able to get a good lockout and squeeze um gabe mentioned the skull crusher you can do this with a barbell uh or the easy crowbar i like doing it personally with dumbbells same thing controlling the range of motion getting it further back with a good stretch not necessarily ending it at your forehead 
think about like you're putting that weight slightly behind your head, you're going to be able to get more out of the tricep and, and change the position since from being to your side where the, the elbows are actually uh, in front of you, uh, in, in front of the body. And then the dips are a great example of a position of the elbows being technically behind your body as you're coming down. So there, if you incorporate uh, a cable a tricep extension, a dip, and a skull crusher variation, or an overhead press, whatever you want, like an overhead extension, um, are all ways to manipulate the angles of your triceps to target quote unquote each head or just add more stress on each head that I, it's going to lend to amazing fullness in the triceps. Yeah, you know how uh, before you were mentioning about how why we are saying it's best to do compound movements. Um, think of it like this: if you if you still don't believe us and you're like, no, I, I, I if I'm if I want to get my bicep bigger, I need to do curls, or if I want to get my tricep bigger, I need to only do uh, tricep extensions or or something like that. Uh, have you, if, if someone asks you, Hey, I want to get my hamstrings bigger. I want to get my quads bigger. What are the people going to tell you? You squat or you deadlift. So why wouldn't that be or heavy, uh, RDLs and stuff? Exactly. But what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, why would your arm be any different? Right? So you would want to load this in a heavy compound movement, just as you would your leg. Now, if you want to work on your hamstrings, sure. You would go to a heavy RDL, like you mentioned, a deadlift. But you would also do like, like a lying leg curl. So treat the lying leg curl like you would a regular curl. And treat the pull-up or dumbbell row like you would a, a RDL or a deadlift. Now, you would want to combine both of those things to really maximize. But uh, that's just a way for you to kind of like think about it and just be more open to the idea of uh, going with a heavy, starting with a heavy compound movement prior to uh, get, busting out some curls if that's your uh, goal. No, it's a good, important to say that we say this because obviously when I was at before my, my chest injury where I was comfortable pressing a lot of weight all around my, my overhead press was relatively strong. My bench was pretty strong. It allowed me to, to maximize on all my lifts. So overall, my, my development was there. Um, when I got hurt, I had to get creative because I was no longer able to load the chest for a while. Um, just in the last two, about a year or so, year and a half is where I started incorporating heavy presses again. Uh, I've had to manipulate a lot of my training. So I'm, how do I develop these areas that I still care for? Um, I had to get really creative, just really getting connected to the muscle and applying frequency, adding more uh, variations and focus to those areas as a default, I had to, it was just, it was a mandatory thing if I cared about development. And if you're someone that's lifting, keeping programming in mind, programming matters in this context, you do want to have these movements that are phenomenal overall compound movements. But if you're someone, like I said, that, that is like me, that your, your seems like you, no matter how much you train, your arms just don't develop as fast, maybe as other areas, then there's no nothing wrong with adding some some days where you do have an arm day or you have these isolation movements in your routine um, where you're able to connect because we always mention if you have an area that doesn't respond you do want to incorporate some form of isolation work to quote unquote wake up those muscles even though we know muscles don't sleep this is key this is going to help you really apply this and feel those big movements that are phenomenal for overall growth and overloading. I would argue that my calves sleep.
they're like they're, they're sleeping beauty <laughs> i'm gonna go kiss them bro don't worry no bro oh thank you that's all i need i'll be right there <laughs> my calf will touch your calf wow this just got really weird <laughs> very but if it works hey i'm open to it oh my that's how it all starts huh i'm busy um, that day <laughs> um, it's like I got plans. <laughs> um, I'm trying to say, oh, so for and if we're still in the context of arms, there's another paradigm shifting thing for me that was was awesome when I kind of put this into, especially when I got into competing. This is something that I really like. It kind of clashed in my mind. Are you reading my mind again? I think I am. I'm getting a tingling sensation in weird places. Um, <laughs> Your shoulders, developing, developing your shoulders is going to be another key component to having nice arms. This is the craziest part about this. My arms, I feel, didn't really grow all that much, but they looked so much better because I took the focus on just biceps and triceps, but focus on developing my shoulders as a whole. This allowed to have my arms a very overall aesthetic proportionate look. Now, when I competed, I by no means was the biggest dude on the stage. I actually was probably one of the smallest guys on the stage. But the way everything kind of looked packaged together, it saved me. It allowed me to kind of play. It allowed me to place well enough where I was able to do, you know, you know, if I would have competed continue that journey probably could have competed in a national show and see from there but the key here was my shoulder development it allowed for overall if you look at anybody 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 that you would admire their arms pay attention to their shoulders i guarantee you that their shoulders look awesome yep that's exactly what i was thinking my chest hairs were tingling and i knew exactly where you were going with that um, yeah, if, if you were to have anyone who were to develop uh, just like a shoulder cap or that shoulder cap look, um, their arms just automatically pop out. They could be doing absolutely zero arm, direct arm work, um, but just working on their shoulders uh, would help to maximize or really uh, make their your arms pop out. Um, and you do this by, you know, like either overhead press, um, lateral raises, front raises, you know, rear delt work. Um, and it, you'll, you'll get to that point. So uh, that, that is a great point. One that I was thinking about earlier and that, that I for sure wanted to make. And I'm glad that you uh, brought this up, John. Well, I think that's just important to note that obviously when we think arms, we think bicep, tricep. So I, I wanted to start off with just the, the duh things, like where people think like, okay, we got to train our biceps, we got to train our triceps. It, it has to be part of your routine if this is a struggle point or if you care at all about just development. You don't ever have to do a single bicep curl or a tricep extension. And granted, like Mike and Gabe, probably and probably keep considerably very well-developed arms. If you're someone like me that doesn't have that luxury, you have to put in a little bit of extra detail work, quote-unquote sculpting, whatever. Uh, developing your shoulders, which a lot of people slack on, is not so much from the pressing stuff because it's very like common sense where people think they, they press and do a front raise. That's like a very generic, like, understanding about shoulder development those are important but a lot of stuff that helped me a lot was focusing a lot on really feeling the lateral raises um that just allowed you quote unquote to get that cap um but another place where people are dropping the ball is their rear delts the back of the shoulder obviously the shoulder has 
three different parts where you need to put a lot of emphasis, your front, your side, and your rear. So a, a lot of times where if you can spend a lot of time developing your side delts as well as your rear delts, that's going to give your shoulder an overall nice 3D look to it where it's going to have a nice separation from the tricep and the biceps. I love showing my ladies, my female clients, you know, how to, you know, work their shoulders in all areas because this is where the girls, they, they look at so-and-so and they look, they have nice arms. It's not the bicep and the triceps. Even if it's for the guys, we, it's the same concept. Develop those shoulders. It's not going to make you look manly, but it's going to give your body a nice aesthetic, easy to the eye appeal that people just have completely overlooked. Plus, if you, uh, if you really break it down, I mean, if you having problems getting that body fat to come off your waist, you get a little bit wider shoulders, you can create a little bit of an illusion of uh, getting a slimmer waist without actually doing it as much. But uh, um, no, I, I wanted to like just further the point of like overhead press, standing overhead press, preferably if you have the, the means to do something like that with a straight bar. Um, just like we were saying before, the, the same thing goes for any of the other movements. You want those big compound lifts. Overhead press is the king of the shoulder. Um, and it's honestly just fun. You know, once you get to the point where you can put 100 pounds over your head or even 135 pounds if you work your ass off, I mean, that just feels so good. Um, it does take a lot of good practice and good form, and then you want to make sure that you're, you're using your whole body to, to, to create a pillar underneath that weight, um, and you want to try and get that bar path as even as possible. So it becomes a little bit of a dance between the bar and your head just to keep it as vertical as you possibly can. But that's, that's going to be like the, the biggest mover, um, in my opinion. And then the, the game changer for me was uh, doing lateral raises the right way. Um, and I don't even want to like steal the glory for that because I know that Jonathan can explain it so well. And I don't know if it would be better suited in a video, but um, I definitely want you to to touch on that one just so I can kind of nerd out over it. But before I jump into that one, cause I do have a, actually a video made, I did one for triceps, uh, shoulders and chest, I believe, but I'll drop, mm -hmm. you know, I made those in the past. I'll probably reshare them just for the, for our listeners. And if the people in the forum want to see it, just let us know. we just shoot us a message. I can even post it in our private forum. Um, what I was thinking for the shoulder press, I've heard a lot of people that I respect say that shoulder overhead pressing is barbell pressing is a waste of time for developing your shoulders, which ironically enough is one thing I really started focusing on getting strong at. And I, I gotta say my shoulders responded well, individual variants. I think that you have to put in mind is this that these people that are super into uh, quote unquote bodybuilding or hypertrophy focus, they start to split hairs and they say that, you know what, like you can just do front raises and develop. This is, this is true. It's not oh, yeah. technically false, but for, we know that we're training the average Joe having the function and the strength. Why wouldn't you spend time doing an overhead press as a byproduct for sometimes in, in most cases with strength for the average person has never done it. Muscle will come as a byproduct, not always just other factors, but in most cases, if you get stronger at something, there is a signal there that the muscle will want to build and grow. So I love the overhead press. I love behind the head presses behind the next presses and Z presses, any type of floor, <laughs> got you again. <laughs> I just, it's just, I'm always like on Gabe's. This, we're always synchronized. The funny thing is that me and Gabe know each other the least, and that's the crazy part. <laughs> it is um, funny. 
but a Z press, any type of pressing motion where you're not, because now that granted with the overhead press, I'm passionate about this. If you're someone that's coming down halfway or you're arching excessively, you may not get the most bang for your buck for your shoulder press. But if you can really lock your body in place and have great shoulder mobility and work on that, cases are that you're, if you can overhead press a good amount like and clean with good form, your shoulders are going to look nicer as a byproduct. They're well-developed. It's like I have not seen anybody that can overhead press clean, nicely, every, and have bad shoulders. I, I, just, I just never met anybody like that. Yeah, it definitely was going to uh, read my mind again about the Z-Press. I like the Z-Press as almost like a prerequisite to an overhead press because it kind of teaches you good mechanics, good form in regards to keeping your body upright. You're eliminating your legs altogether. So essentially you're sitting down on the floor and your legs are kicked out right in front of you. Uh, you can um, open up your legs to make it a little bit easier and uh, bring your, your legs closer together to make it harder because it'll be just harder to balance in that way. And uh, I, I just love this. Uh, it helps you to keep your core, you know, straight. If you were to have any type of excessive lean that John mentioned, um, when you're doing a Z-Press, you're going to either tip forward or tip back or something not so great is going to happen. So starting this. And also another reason why I like a Z-Press a lot is because, uh, you know, Mike mentioned, you know, working your ass off to do 135 pounds overhead. I can get that same intensity from lifting 135 pounds, but bringing it down to like 80 or 70 on the Z press. So you're still getting that same, uh, you know, intense uh, training for your shoulders, um, but you're reducing the, the load. So technically, I mean, there's a, there's some might argue to say that it might be even a bit safer um, by doing so uh, less likelihood of something crazy happening. But um, I just like this a lot. Um, so to give something else, uh, a different type of uh, exercise here, uh, an Arnold press. I love Arnold presses. And they start similar to a, an overhead press or Z press where you're in a front rack position with dumbbells. Your palms are facing you. And as you, uh, you rotate your palms, um, so that way at the end point, at the full extension, your palms are now facing uh, the mirror that's in front of you or the wall that's in front of you or whomever is standing in front of you. Um, I like this movement a lot. Uh, I incorporate this either single uh, single arm or just double. I prefer you, you would not be able to do this with a barbell, so this is a, a, um, a dumbbell movement. Um, this is just one of the ones that I just uh, I love to do. I have to go back to Mike's point because I completely forgot to mention. I we got on, I got super side laterals, side laterals, baby. So side laterals. I mean, a lot of variations. You can do them with cables. You can do it with you know bands. Can do it but the way he's what he's alluding to that i love it's one of my favorite shoulder exercises to do is a side lateral just because i know the value of how it develops through the, the aesthetics of the body and everything but the way i do it is is a lot different than i was when i started out and when i learned to do this for myself i was able to show this to mike to other clients and they responded very well because it's almost kind of that time that where a lot of people do this movement incorrectly they focus a lot more on getting really heavy with it um the the rain the the hand positioning and all the elbow positioning all matter when you're doing this movement and instantly what i do for anybody i recommend if you're doing a lateral raise and you're doing anything heavier than 20 25 pounds and you are getting a lot of reps in there you in most cases i can guarantee there's something off you i would actually scale back to anywhere from five no lie five to 
max 15 pounds if you've been already knocked this down but let's say let's say between five and ten pounds even if you're a bigger stronger dude i would challenge you to this is grab that weight you know positioning yourself and the main focus point here is when you're hanging out with dumbbells and they're by your sides there's no gravity there I mean, there's no resistance there. I mean, there's always gravity, but there's no resistance pulling those dumbbells or those shoulders to make you work. What you want to really focus on is actually lift, kind of having a semi-lifted position where you start to separate right where you start to feel the shoulders start to wake up. Don't let your arms fully rest to your sides. Have them slightly away from you at all times. And then when you lift it up, I also, another key point you want to focus on is not allowing the hands to go past your shoulders, you actually want to consider rotating the palms, like the you want to almost rotate the weights. I'm sorry, like you're pouring a gallon of milk, or a bottle of tequila, whatever is your whatever floats your boat. I always say pour the gallon of milk. That's going to cause the person to rotate their pinkies, elevate them higher. the The hand can no longer go past the shoulder, the cap of your shoulder as well as your elbow positioning will naturally rotate, therefore exposing the side delt a lot more because when you lift heavy and your, your, your index finger is actually going straight up in the air, you are just adding more work to your front of your delt. So if you're trying to develop the side, by you doing this position, really just slowing it down and not letting the weight completely rest to your sides, you are going to get so much out of your side delt that you don't necessarily need to go heavy and watch how your side delts uh, develop. Same principle sort of applies to the rear delts. In this case, same, what I mean same principles is don't go so heavy, turning it into a strict back exercise. If that's your goal, fine. But in most cases, a lot of people are trying to develop the rear delts. And it's also a very small muscle group. You want to just focus on coming back, flying back, very ever so nice and controlled. And the speed in all this matters. If you notice, the max I'll usually go is anywhere from 15 to maybe 20 pounds. And that's if I'm doing quote unquote heavy. Most cases I hang around 10 pounds. And that's me lifting after so long. It's one that you really want to feel this muscle. I I know Mike, we've done it together tons of times. And it just allowed for overall great shoulder development. And that's where people really drop the ball in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the rotation of the arm as a whole plays such a huge part anytime you do any of those rotations. Um, as a rule of thumb, I believe I heard this from Jordan Shallow, um, the, at, the, at the top of a position, uh, be it a front raise, a, a lateral raise, or if you're bent over doing a rear delt, uh, the muscle that is on top of the shoulder, uh, top relative to like normal gravity, uh, that'll be the one that's doing the work. And then you also need to correlate that with your hand positioning and your elbow positioning to make sure that everything is sort of in line with that and um, putting itself into a, into like a cohesive unit. So like on the front raise, your index finger is probably going to be on top every once in a while. You can get like uh, a little bit of a rotation, but then like Jonathan's saying, you're flaring your pinkies almost on that, uh, that lateral raise. And then on the rear delt raise, obviously, since you're bent over and you're pulling your arms back, your pinkies will end up being on top. And with each one of those uh, different heads of the deltoid, they're all going to be on the the top position. So just be mindful of that um, anytime you're doing any of those. Um, there's also something to be said for pull-aparts, which it can be more of like a like a shoulder blade movement. Um, but I love throwing those in, especially for people who have a really hard time with bent over rows, either from a 
getting into position standpoint, uh, but it, it's just an accept, an accept, it's an accessible movement. So you're just grabbing a band uh, with your arms straight, straight out in front, keeping your arms locked in position and pulling it apart with your arms straight, trying to put your arms out to the side. Um, at that point, you can get your shoulder blades involved just by getting it that extra few inches by squeezing your shoulder blades together, but you'll definitely be feeling that one in your rear delts as well. No, absolutely. I think it's a, there's a lot of factors. I mean, this episode is loaded with information. Replay it a couple of times, take some notes. Mike does a phenomenal job. If you don't know about making show notes, so you can go back to specific points of this episode to recap what we've talked about. There's obviously a lot of factors to come into play in the individual variants of who you are, where you're at. But these are just some basic principles that we like to underlie when it comes to arm training. I'm super passionate about it just because it's something that I've, I'm, I'm still working on and getting into a point where I'm completely satisfied with it. And it takes time. Frequency matters. You know, your nutrition all matters. Everything, all these other factors matter. Programming, especially how to do it correctly. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or at our private Facebook group at the Next Level Show private forum. It's totally free to join, hang out with us, ask us these questions. Um, I don't think we, I think we covered most of these, these points. There is something that I didn't cover on our last episode, which was I did not give a dad joke on the last episode, which if you want one, nope, negative, totally did not. Uh, but I did give one in our Facebook forum in my introductory video um, right there in the comments. So if you are uh, missing one, then you can go right there for it. So for today's, uh, Mike and John, how do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. And there it is. God. Can I, can I make a humble submission? I don't know if it's – it's not a dad joke because I'm not a dad, but it's a lame joke. Are you ready? Yes. If you're American on the way into the bathroom and you're Swedish on the way out of the bathroom, what are you while you're in the bathroom? European. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Yes, that would go there. It was better than the joke that you told early in the show. And if yes. you like this stuff, if you like these jokes, if you like this conversation, leave us a five-star rating and review and share this episode on your social media. Tag us, talk to us, interact with us. We'd love just to like meet all you guys. We have people in freaking Norway listening to this show. That's freaking badass. Shout out to the people in Australia, Norway, and everywhere else. Let us know where you're from. It's super cool that we're able to connect with you guys. If you want to follow us more on our, on our pages at The Next Level Show, my personal page is at John Alva seven. Gabe is at prime and glory and Mike is at Mr. Mike Nillis PT.